You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Go to riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here's today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. All right, so the kids are heading off to Kids Church. And in your Bibles, in Acts chapter 4, actually if you read the book of Acts, you'll see all the great, wonderful, amazing, powerful things that God is doing through the Holy Spirit that Jesus has told His disciples that He's going to send the Holy Spirit, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and they have this power, this power to speak, this power to share, this power to heal and to do miracles, and all this awesome power. And they were bold. And being bold in our faith is something that a lot of you say that you want. A lot of you say, I wish I was more bold to share Jesus with people. I wish I was more bold to stand for my faith. And boldness isn't anything that you can really manufacture as much as you can uh, grow closer to Jesus and have the Holy Spirit empower you to be bold. So we talked about this a little bit last week, but we didn't have enough time to cover it all. So boldness, power for bold living. So last week we said, remember that boldness is behavior born out of belief. So you're bold about what you truly believe in. You stand for what you truly know is true. One thing that I think is bold is when you drive your car or your truck on the, on the water, on the lake, on the ice in the winter. Have you ever done that before? So I know somebody who actually uh, was driving on the ice and their truck fell through. And uh, so I see that truck every now and then and it still runs and whatnot, but it's a little more confident than, uh, than it should have been. But if you know that the ice is thick and other people are driving on it, you might drive on it. If you know Jesus is true, if you have the Holy Spirit working in your heart from the inside out, you have this boldness, this boldness to serve, this boldness to share Christ, this boldness to make a difference in the world because you get like 70 years of life overall, maybe more, maybe less. And then for those of us who are Christ followers, who are in Christ, then uh, at the end of this life, it's appointed for men to face judgment. Uh, God's going to reward us. Jesus is going to reward us for the things that we've done good in this life. And so it's what we do in this period of time that makes a difference for all eternity, for rewards and for other people's eternity. So boldness, parousia, it's a Greek word, outspokenness, assurance, courage, confidence to act without fear. When you're truly bold in Christ, you will not be annoying, but you will stand on what's true. You will stand Often your motivation isn't anger, it's love, because you care so much that these people understand who Jesus is, that you care so much that these people understand that the Bible is a way, the way for them to find out about eternal life. You are standing on the Word of God, the thing that you've experienced, the thing that you know to be true, because Christ is in you and He is the hope of glory. So power for bold living. So if you look in Acts chapter 4, I'll add a few parts of it that are actually in your notes here. Peter, remember, is somebody who denied Christ when Jesus was being taken into captivity. Things weren't going very well. He denied Christ and he thought he was disqualified. But then Jesus returned, rose from the dead, returned and said, Peter, Jesus said to Peter, feed my sheep, that he's going to build the church upon Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. And so then Peter, who denied Christ at one time, is going all out proclaiming Jesus and thousands of people are getting saved. And it's absolutely amazing. Read it in the beginning of the book of Acts and you will see all of the great things that the Holy Spirit is doing through Peter. And Peter is being brought before the Sanhedrin and the governor ruling authorities giving an answer for his faith and they're not impressed. 
Actually, they're impressed because they're unschooled. They're impressed at how are these guys doing this, but they're not pleased with what Peter and the other apostles are doing. So, okay, Acts 4.8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, so see, it's not Peter motivated or Peter went to a, a seminar or Peter took an evangelism and apologetics class, but here it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? They healed this crippled beggar and the ruling authority. They're not very happy about the whole thing. They can't deny it because the crippled beggar that everybody knew, you know, the town beggar is like standing there and he's in perfect shape now, so they can't deny that. Everybody's seen it. But anyway, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. So he is proclaiming the truth. They don't necessarily want to hear what he's saying. And then if you read a little further, it says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. And that is really your biggest source of boldness, is being with Jesus, spending time in God's Word, spending time uh, serving Jesus. So many times, if you step out in faith, if you just show up, you don't know how it's going to work out, you don't know exactly what you're going to say, but you're, you're, you're prayed up and you show up, you're like, Lord, use me, and you you say, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to share my faith with my coworker or the person that sits next, the person with the locker next to me at school or whatever, and you step out in faith. So many times the Holy Spirit kicks in. So you show up and the Holy Spirit kicks in, and then all of a sudden uh, you're like, wow, I didn't even know I had those words in me to say. I did, that, was, that conversation about Christ went really good. It's the Holy Spirit helping you. So number one, spiritual boldness comes from knowing Christ. So time with Jesus builds your faith, which leads to boldness that produces spiritual results. Acts 4.20, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. So there's a chart in your outline, and it says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. So they recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So spending time with Jesus is one of the greatest ways that you are motivated, are moved. You start to, when you spend time with Jesus, you start to have the love that Jesus has for lost people. When you spend time with Jesus, you start to want to help provide needs for people in need, like Jesus did. When you spend time with Jesus, it changes the way that you live, it changes your thoughts, it changes your priorities, it changes the way you think about things and you think about people. Time with Jesus, it builds your faith. It builds your faith, it makes it stronger, it gives a foundation for what you believe. So if you spend time in God's Word, then when somebody asks you a question, why do you do this? Why do you believe that? Well, because God's Word says here that I shouldn't do this, or I should live this way, or I should be the husband of one wife, or I should, you know, all of these things. You know, it says in God's Word, my faith is based not on just what my parents or grandparents or church people told me. My faith isn't just based upon, you know, something I read in some other book, but it should be based on the faith, our faith in Christ. It builds our faith and gives us boldness. So when we truly believe what we, what we read and understand and to put into practice, then we'll have boldness to say, this is the way that it works. This is the way that it's supposed to be. This is the way that prayer works. This is how God answers prayer. This is how God sometimes doesn't answer prayer, and you still have faith. It gives you boldness to proclaim the truth that God gives you in His Word, and then the Holy Spirit helps you to understand in your heart and the stuff Jesus modeled, gives you boldness, and that produces spiritual results. 
And that's what we want, is we want spiritual results. We want to see people's lives changed. We want to see that we're making a difference in the world. We want to see that the days that we spend doing whatever we do is making a difference. We want to produce spiritual results in our family, in our neighborhood, at our school, at our work, uh, in the world around us, produce spiritual results. That is what we want to do. So now we want to focus on bold prayers. And I love talking about prayer. Prayer has been huge in my life. There are so many, all the major things in my life that I can think of that have really, you know, shaped me, made me who I am, or, you know, defined me, have been a result of prayer. Well, except for me being born into the world. Maybe that was someone else's prayer. I was born into the world. I don't remember praying for that one. As I was able to start making choices on my own and doing my own things and wondering how God was going to provide, God has answered so many prayers. And if there's time, maybe I'll highlight maybe the top 10 or something like that. But what you pray for reflects what you believe in God. So what you pray for reflects what you believe in God. Do you pray for specific things? Do you pray in faith? Do you pray like Jesus would pray? Do you pray for, peop- for lost people? Do you pray for people's needs to be met? Do you pray for things besides yourself? I mean, do you pray for more than just your breakfast, lunch, and dinner? If you pray at the dinner table, do you pray for more than just, you know, God, give me this and give me that and give my kids that and make them successful, make them really successful so they can get jobs so they don't have to live in my house forever? Do you, beyond that, do you pray for um, all the stuff that you can think of that's coming up? I mean, you could spend a lot of time praying. And this old saint, uh, this old pastor, told me that the reformers, you know, like Martin Luther and some of those guys would like pray for four hours a day on their knees. And he said, you know, that might not be totally practical for you. If you, God calls you to do it and you can do it, that's awesome. You should. But for some reason, if getting up at four in the morning and praying for four hours before you start your day isn't working for you, that you should pray as you go, pray all day. So pray as you think of things, pray as you see things. It's a constant conversation. What Stephen Curtis Chapman's uh, line in this song, just because you say the words amen doesn't mean the conversation needs to end. So what did you pray about over this last week? What did you pray for this last week? What kind of things are on your mind? I'm actually praying for the upcoming uh, election on, is it, I think it's Tuesday, isn't it? The, the primaries for those people that uh, are going to become the ones that get voted for. So praying about that. Went to that meeting about Scott County homelessness. I was really sad and praying about that. Uh, praying for a lot of things. What did you pray about over this last week? Is it bold or is it just the norm? For you? What could you do to be more bold in prayer? What would it look like if you were more bold in prayer? What if God started to answer your prayers? What if, what if God said, all right, here's what we're going to do, is that uh, I heard your prayers over the last 24 hours, and I'm going to answer them all. So uh, in this special window of time, this, 20, this past 24 hours, everything you prayed for, you're getting, according to my will, the good stuff, you're getting it all. Would you be kicking yourself saying, why didn't I pray for more? I should have prayed for bigger, bolder stuff. What do you get? Your food is blessed. Really, really, really blessed. Your food is blessed. And your kids are going to be okay. And you're going to make it to work safe this week. And, the, and, the, and you get some rain for your grass to grow. And that's all you prayed for, so that's all you get. Sorry. On their release, Acts 4.23, if you continue on in the book of Acts, about bold prayers. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they had heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. So basically, the 
chief priests and elders and rulers and everything are saying, you guys just need to quiet. We don't want to hear this anymore. Don't be saying this stuff anymore. We're going to let you go, but no more of this. Shh. Don't be telling people stuff. Don't be proclaiming this stuff. And what did they do? They went back and they got together with their church people and they prayed about it and they launched out in even more boldness. So they realized that God was at work. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the difficulty, they realized that God has been at work. Their prayer, Acts 4.27. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit. And then go to verse 27. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. In their bold prayer, they're like, God, we know you're at work in this. This looks bad, what they did to Jesus and everything else, but we know it's part of your plan. It's part of your will. We know that you're at work. We have great faith that this is true, and we are going to proclaim it to everybody, and they are not going to shut us up or shut us down because what God says and does is way more important than what man wants us to do. Bold prayers. So I was uh, in devotional reading looking at this uh, article by John Piper, and it was six prayers that God always answers. And this is huge. We want God to answer prayer, and these are six prayers that God always answers. And these are things that you should pray, and then know that God will answer it. Number one, glorify yourself through me. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God wants to be glorified, and God wants to be glorified in you. You need to make yourself available. You need to make yourself available and to step out and say, God, use me. God, glorify yourself through me. God, teach me, help me to do your will, help me to walk in your way, and help me to make a difference in the world. So when people see me, let them see you in me. God, glorify yourself in me. Number two, forgive me. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So many times we need to be forgiven. Yes, we need to be forgiven of our sin, and have Christ come into our life, but then when Christ is in our life, we constantly fall into sin, and as soon as we realize that we've fallen into some kind of sin, disobeyed God, did something wrong, we need to ask forgiveness so that we will be forgiven and purified from all unrighteousness and then be able to be used by God. No matter what it is that you did, how bad it is, whatever, or maybe you just forgot to do something, or maybe something bad happened because you didn't do something that you're supposed to do, forgive me and we are promised that he will forgive us. Number three, reveal more of yourself to me. Don't you want that too? I mean, sometimes people want to run ahead of the things of God. Sometimes people understand or see what's in the Bible and they want like more, more bells and whistles and fireworks and things like that. Sometimes that's the way it is with miracles. I and mean, we, want, we want God to do miracles in people's lives. We want God to do miraculous healings and God to miraculously change this and miraculously stop the forest fires. And all those things are totally awesome and bring glory to God. There's some people out there that just want to keep seeing miracles, you know, like they want to see fireworks. You know, it's like they're not totally interested in the purpose of the miracle. They just want to see, you know, something amazing happen because it's cool and exciting. But, I mean, yeah, let's bring some dead people back. Raise some dead people. That would be cool. I'd like to see that. Um, instead of, you know, what is, what is God's plan? What is God's purpose? How is God working things out? That's the weird thing, too, about praying for people in their health and um, you know, struggling with, with death and everything like that is that we all have to die sometime, 
So can we glorify God in our life and our death? Sometimes I come to the point where either like I'm really sick or I almost got run over by a bus or I wonder, am I about to die? And then I think my first question in my head is, so is God, is this it? Is this what you've written in, the, in my whole life, in the chapter of my life, in the book of my life, that my life is going to end when I take a youth group, a group of uh, students to the world's toughest rodeo and get, almost get run over by a bus? Was that the end of it? Because that's weird. I don't want to die that way. You got anything better than that? Of course, and sometimes I think I'd like to be persecuted as a martyr, but I don't really want to. It just would be cool to spend the rest of eternity saying, I really died for Jesus, totally doing the right thing at the right time. That would be cool, but I, I don't think it'd be very comfortable. Reveal more of yourself to me. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those, those days, the Lord's declaration. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. This is the Lord's declaration, for I will forgive their wrongdoing and never again remember their sin. From Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. Reveal more of yourself to me. He's given us his word. He's given us great godly people to follow a huge library of, of resources on how to live the Christian life and how God has worked in the past. And um, Reveal more of yourself to me. You ask him, and he will. Number four, give me wisdom. That's an awesome thing to pray, especially when you're starting school or work or trying to make a decision or trying to figure out how to raise your kids or what to do. Give me wisdom. And James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Then you must ask in faith. Give me wisdom. Pray that. Pray that God would give you wisdom to have the biblical insight to make those right choices with the knowledge that is available and also through the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me to obey you. There's a good thing to pray all the time. So sometimes, you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But to totally, totally obey God, strengthen me to obey you. So sometimes you just don't need standing, staying strength power. Sometimes you need to flee that temptation as fast as you can so that you can obey the Lord. But Philippians 2.12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So you should pray that. Strengthen me to obey you, Lord. Number six, spread your gospel to the lost. Spread your gospel to the lost. The good news of Jesus Christ, the the message of Jesus Christ who died and rose again and was seen by others ascended into heaven and is coming back. Spread your gospel to the lost here and around the world. And it's so interesting now that we don't have to actually get on a plane or a train and go around the world, that we can communicate with people from our technological devices, from our phones or computers or tablets or whatever, that we can spread our gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ the lost. Matthew 24, 14 says, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So again, the good news of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and the end will come. So if you want to bring Jesus back, then be busy proclaiming the gospel around the world, proclaiming the gospel, making a difference, living for Jesus. Those are prayers that God answers. Some things that short-circuit power through prayer. If it doesn't seem like your prayers are getting answered, maybe there's something wrong. One, unconfessed sin. Isaiah 59, 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God, so your sins 
have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. As a Christ follower in Christ, he hears, but he's not going to respond if you've got unconfessed sin in your life sometimes. Now, if, you've, if you're a mess, if you're in sin, if everything's falling apart, I encourage you to still pray. God can still answer. But sometimes when you want him to do certain things and bless you in certain ways and answer certain prayers, sometimes he's not going to until you get right, until you confess that sin in your life. So sometimes unconfessed sin can be a hindrance to your prayer life. Psalm 66, 18 says, If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. And in 2 Timothy 2, 20-26, it talks about these utensils. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the Master to use you for every good work. It says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust and said, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. So it talks about how to live a life in Christ then. Sometimes you want God to use you. You want God to answer your prayer and use you in a great way, but you are not a clean utensil. You are a dirty dish or a dirty glass, and you are not going to be used until you are clean. And to get clean, you just confess that sin to the Lord and start to follow after his ways. You be prepared for God to use you. You be confessed up and prayed up and prepared up and ready, and then God will use you. So be a clean utensil. Problems at home. This is an interesting one for husbands and wives. First Peter 3.7 says, if a husband's inconsiderate of their wife, if they treat them harshly, that that could hinder their prayers. Weird, huh? Be good to your wives, man. Selfishness. All right? Things that short-circuit power through prayer, selfishness. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. So if you're going to just ask for selfish things, you know, then you're looking for a genie more than a savior. You're looking, you want to get God's will and plan and purpose in sync with what you're doing and then have God answer those prayers. Worst thing in the world would be if God answered your selfish prayer and then it totally left you in a place where you didn't need to be. Like, what if God gave you that job that you really want, that you think you want, but it's going to lead you farther away from Christ than if he keeps you in the job that you're at, keeps you reliant in prayer? Or what if their finances, you know, what if God needs you, knows that you need to be living paycheck to paycheck because you stay in dependence on him, where he knows that if he gave you a large chunk of change, that you would be out doing all sorts of other things, not closer to God, but farther away from God. E.M. Bounds wrote many books on prayer. One of them was Power Through Prayer. And he wrote in one of his books, actually, you could get the complete works of E.M. Bounds probably on Amazon or whatever, probably even from the library. And it would be great prayer training for you if you were to get, it's in your notes, but E.M. Bounds, if you read his stuff on prayer, it can change and transform your prayer life. But he writes about distractions. He writes, The men who have done the most for God in this world have been early on their knees. He who fritters away the early morning, its opportunity and freshness and other pursuits than seeking God, will make poor headway seeking him the rest of the day. If God is not first in our thoughts and our efforts in the morning, he will be in the last place the remainder of the day. Jesus repeatedly encourages us to pray. So many times in Scripture, Jesus is the one saying, pray, pray in my name, I'll answer. So ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open in Matthew 7. 
Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks the doors will be open. And if you skip down to verse 11, it says, the Father in heaven will give good gifts to those who ask Him. So we, maybe we're not getting things because we're not praying like we should be. Maybe we're not praying for things at all. Maybe it's a life of prayerlessness. Maybe God is using the difficulty that we're going through. He hears our prayers, and He's sustaining us and keeping us close to Him, but He's not answering the prayers that we want in the way that we want because He has a different plan. Or because the other people are making other choices because God gives them free will too. But Jesus repeatedly encourages us to pray. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer, Matthew 21, 22. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you, John 15, 7. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. So that whole abiding in Christ, walking with Christ, being in His will, will lead to answered prayer because you'll be getting the prayers answered that are in sync with the Lord's will. So sometimes what you want isn't necessarily what God's going to do. And sometimes that can be a faith-shattering thing. Like there's some things that I prayed for over and over again that did not have the results that I wanted. Uh, Instead of being faith-crushing, instead it just leaves a big question mark in my mind and someday maybe in eternity God will explain to me why I had to go through that or why this terrible thing happened or you know, why that prayer wasn't answered. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. In our faith with the Lord, we walk with the Lord, we are saved and so if we've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ and we've been forgiven of our sins and we're born again and we're adopted as a child of God, then we have Christ in our life. And 1 John 5.11, this is the testimony God has given us. Eternal life and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us and we know And if we know He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have what we ask of Him. I do have a quick little, really fast highlight list. I was afraid I would forget something on the the top ten. But prayer has been huge in my life. I wouldn't be here without answers to prayer. Um, When I first started out, like some of you people graduating from high school, trying to figure out, you know, what to do with your life. I didn't have a car. I prayed for a car. Uh, Didn't get the car I wanted, but God provided a car. Uh, That's not in the top ten. As time went on, I started to pray for a wife. Couldn't manufacture that one on my own, but you know that she came to my parents' house, bought their car, I was away. But then we met and got married and everything, and then we thought it was great being married. Wouldn't it be great if we had a family? And sure enough, God blessed us, and there was a baby on the way. And my wife was in premature labor, and we were praying that the baby wouldn't be born until she was healthy enough to be out there on her own and everything. So Jessica was born three weeks early, and I was looking in the little baby nursery at the hospital and the guy right next to me his son was born three weeks early and he's like in the little incubator and he's not his lungs aren't fully developed and so my three-week preemie or whatever born three weeks premature was healthy and fine God answered that prayer God has answered many prayers so I needed to go to Bible college I didn't want to go to the one my grandparents wanted to pay for so I prayed and prayed to go to Crown and um at St. Paul Bible College at the time, and God opened the door, prayed for my first-time ministry opportunity, and I applied for all these jobs, and it sounded like, seemed like the, no one was listening, but then at just the right time, just when it would be a perfect time to move, then God provided a great opportunity. 
prayed for a house to sell to come here, and miraculously it did, and then we moved here, prayed for a church truck, that white truck we had forever. I was praying and praying for a truck, and one Saturday morning I gave somebody a ride, and he donated a truck, and we had that truck for years, and it was great. Prayed for church land to buy, then prayed for church land to sell, prayed for all these church people. Um, Prayed to be healed of a health problem not too long ago. Had everybody I could find praying for me, and so far, so good. I think I've been healed of it. Prayed for some other things. I had a young dog that had cancer that I prayed and prayed that God would heal, and he didn't, and I was really upset about that. But then I'm like, well, maybe God wants me to experience that kind of pain with a dog instead of a child or a family member or a friend. So, And as you know, my son died, and we prayed and prayed repeatedly for that not to go that way, and I totally don't understand why that happened, but... We still have faith. But what if we pray for lost people to be saved? What if we pray for people that are going through hard times to be able to glorify God in the midst of it, to be able to endure the difficulty, to be able to glorify God with their difficulty? No matter how hard it is or, you know, the pain or the difficulty, to have the strength and courage to glorify God, whether we live, whether we die, whether we have lots of money, whether we don't, whether we are famous or whether we have fame or reputation stripped from us, but we pray. And Jesus says, again, I tell you, that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. The church gets together to pray. The church gets together to pray for each other. The way that our greeting time works out, you know, and we say everybody shake a hand or whatever, that only works when everybody in the church goes and connects with everybody. Because if you have a new person that is here and they don't get welcomed, then it's just really awkward. So want to make sure you do that. The only way that the prayer time works, you know, with the time that we have is when we focus on the prayer needs that we want the whole congregation to pray about, you know, the, the big things. We have the blue sheet that you can put anything on there and you can even enter your own prayer requests uh, through that Rome system that we have. But when things are hard, when things are difficult, the church will gather to pray. The elders will come and pray for you. The elders will lay hands on you and pray for you. The elders of the church, you just need to ask them. But we will pray as a group. We send out emails for prayer. Sometimes if things are really bad, we send out text message prayer requests. But we pray together. It's good to share what's going on in our lives, to pray and to praise together. It is a good thing. And we need to be bold. What is it that we could do to be more bold in prayer? What is it that you could be praying about? Just think about a thing on the back of your uh, note. Uh, How would you describe the way you pray? What's keeping you from changing your selfish and smallish prayers? Or changing your small prayers into bold prayers? Uh, That Ian Bounds Complete Works on Prayer book, that might help you. So what bold things do you need to start praying for right now? What if instead of just being reactive, what if you were proactive? What if you started to try to pray things into existence that aren't right now? What if you prayed for ministries that could be? What if you prayed for people to become, or children? What if you prayed for children to become greatly used of God? What if you prayed for the young boys and girls around here that you see to have the call of God in their life and to be missionaries and pastors and uh, all of these great things that they could, or successful Christian business leaders? What if you prayed for them? What if you prayed more for people's healing, their salvation, for righteous living, uh, for provisions for the needy, for um, housing when there's no housing in the county, and for all of those things. So let's pray. Lord, it's so easy to talk about prayer. Lord, it's sometimes tough to pray when we pray for the same thing over and over again and don't see results. But when we have a prayer journal and we look back and we say, we prayed and prayed and prayed for that problem and it's not a problem anymore because you took care of it or because 
it just it ran itself out or you, you have this plan, Lord, we just trust you. So, Lord, help us to pray more for others. Help us to be bold in prayer. Help us to stand strong in our faith. Help us to stand on the promises of your word and to boldly teach others how to pray. So, Lord, we thank you for this time. I pray that you do something from this message to encourage the people here and that we would hear great reports of answered prayer and how people have become more bold. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. It would be great if you would let us know how you were encouraged by this message. We invite you to visit River Rock Church, 10 a.m. Sundays at 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. You can connect with us, find more messages to listen to, and get resources to help you grow in your faith at riverrockchurch.com.